0: a cuppa and a good shinwag? The story has real-life stories to inspire and make you smile. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the app. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines,
1: author, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. No man can see the face of God and live. You're going to die. And you know what Jacob's response is? And this is how I know he got it. He rerouted.
0: Today with Jeff Vines. Hi and welcome, my name is Bill. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. In this episode, we continue looking at the story of Jacob and his wrestle with God. Pastor Jeff is teaching us about how we, like Jacob, also wrestle with God and how we need to realise that He is the thing that will give us the ultimate satisfaction. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32. We'll look at Jacob wrestling with God and preparing to meet his brother, Esau. Let's rejoin Pastor Jeff now for the remainder of this message on Today with Jeff Vines.
1: We're all wrestlers and we've all been wrestling with God. Now look how this develops. Man, this is, I love this narrative. This is one of my favourite narratives. Here's what happens as the story goes on. When the man saw he could not overpower him, now remember, From Jacob's perspective, he doesn't know it's God he's wrestling with until the morning. There's a reason he doesn't find out until the morning. So right now we call him the man. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, that is Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Do you see what happens? Jacob wrestles all night. He doesn't know who it is, but he says, I'm holding my own here. This dude's strong, but I'm holding my own. And then all of a sudden in the Hebrew, it's the word for just tap, The wrestler just tapped him around the hip and it knocked his hip out of socket and debilitated him. Have you ever had something come out of socket? It is the most painful thing you could ever experience. In basketball, we have shoulder separations all the time. It is extremely painful, but here's what happens. This this is the interesting thing about all this. Usually, when a wrestler gets you in a hold where there's enormous pain, what do you do? You squirm and get out of there. My brother, Tim, was a state championship wrestler. Uh, all my brothers, I have three of them, were built like my father, short, stocky, muscle-bound. I was not, as you can tell. I was built like my mother, who was about 5'10 and just, you know, 120, soaking wet. And so my brother, Tim, who was a great wrestler, would ask me, hey, I, I learned some new moves in practice today. Can I try them out on you? I was a perfect candidate because I was six, three and a half, and about 170 pounds. And he could get me in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. And he would try these new moves on me. And usually he would get me in some kind of hole that I couldn't get out of. And there's nothing worse than having your older brother say, you can't move, can you? <laughs> and you're like, no, I can't. I let me go. But then he would do something like rub the, uh, el- his elbow into my spine or uh, hit, hit my, the back of my neck just in the right way to send a shockwave. And then for some reason, I would be able, because the pain was so excruciating, just to squirm my way out of it. And it always surprised him. Now, don't you find it interesting that according to this story, God touches the hip socket of Jacob. He's in enormous pain, but instead of fleeing and getting away, according to the Bible, he grabs on and holds on tighter to God. Look at what happens in verse 26. The Bible says, let me go for it is daybreak. This is God speaking. Now you know that God could get away at any point, right? But he says to Jacob, because the lesson's for Jacob, not for God, let me go for it's daybreak. Let me go. So Jacob, when he's in enormous pain, stay with me, this is so beautiful. When he's in enormous pain, what does he do? He grabs on even tighter. Why? Why does a man who's in enormous pain grab even tighter to the man who is the origin of the pain? And the answer is simple. Jacob reroutes in this one moment in time. There's such a great economy of words here. Not many words, but there's so much that's said by the Hebrew narrator. Jacob, right then and there, realized, when he realized it was God, that he now had a hold of the source of ultimate blessing. that he had God in his grasp. And I want you to notice what he says. He says, "I will not let you go until you bless me." Stay, wait, wait now. This is another one of those cases where the Hebrew and the English doesn't do justice. Because the way this is written, here's what Jacob is saying. I will not let you go unless you bless me with you. He's saying, I will not let you go until you bless me, until you become the blessing. All these other things I've tried, they're not working. I will not let you go until you... I am blessed with your presence in a way that I've never been blessed before because none of these other things, these pseudo saviors, all these expectations, all these things that I think will going to make my life better, complete and perfect health and wealth and prosperity, all that, it's not working. I give up. I surrender. But God had to clobber him to wake him up. All of a sudden, Jacob realizes, I've been using God to get the blessing when all along God is the blessing. He's sitting there thinking about wrestling with Esau and God clobbers him to tell him, I'm the one you've been wrestling against. i state, this is important. Do you hear what I'm saying in this text? I'm saying this, that God is saying to Jacob, Jacob, I'm the one responsible for your frustration. I'm the one responsible for your life not turning out the way you thought it would. I'm the one responsible for the predicament that you're in right now. And here's why, Jacob, because you haven't learned your lesson yet. And you think by having a perfect life and good health and good prosperity and everything going your way, is gonna make you happy. And I purposefully made sure that that road is not traveled because I love you and want you to know that will never give you what you're looking for. So Jacob, I'm saving you time. I'm opening your eyes right now to what you need ultimately is me. And if you have me, you don't need anything else. And Jacob, his eyes are open. And he sees the Lord in a new way. As a matter of fact, it dawns on Jacob what he's been doing. Look at verse 20 of chapter 28. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Oh man, look at that. You hear what Jacob's doing before he has this encounter? He's doing what we do. He's saying, God, if you'll do this, If you'll give me success on my journey, if you'll give me these things that I want, and if you'll be with me, then you will be my God and I'll give you a tent. Oh my goodness. How old do you think that story is? I have seen people come and go. And usually people come when their life is a mess and they're desperate. And I'm glad that they do. I'm glad that they come. And sometimes they'll even start serving. Sometimes they'll even start, praising and worshiping God. Sometimes they'll even start tithing, giving. But they're here because there's an illness in somebody that they love. There's a financial issue that they're trying to overcome. There's some bond that they can't break and they've tried everything else and their way's not working. So they come in hopes that God will deliver. God does. And then do you know what happens? They leave because their life is good now. They don't need God anymore, but that's okay because I know they'll be back. Do you know why I know they'll be back? Because it'll get tough again and God is going to keep clobbering you. Francis Thompson called God the hound of heaven. He's going to keep chasing you until it dawns on you that all the things in your life you think is going to make everything good and you're going to be at peace and you're going to be content. The only thing, the only entity big enough to fill that kind of void in you is God himself. Jacob reroutes, and he realizes, God, you are the one that can give me the grace and approval that I was looking for in my father, Isaac. You are the one that is the beauty that I was looking for in Rachel. And you are the one that gives me all the possessions that I was looking to take through deception from Laban, my uncle. I will not let you go until you bless me. Oh, it gets better. Look what happens in verse 26 again. He says, let me go for it is daybreak. Now that's God speaking to Jacob. Why does God mention daybreak? It's what's the big deal because no man can see the face of God and live and God is saying to Jacob Jacob I came down to clobber you but I don't want to kill you I had to clobber you to wake you up but I don't want to kill you but if you don't let me go before daybreak now let's ask again could God release himself from Jacob at any moment so this is not for God this is for Jacob and he says Jacob if you don't let me go before daybreak No man can see the face of God and live. You're going to die. And do you know what Jacob's response is? And this is how I know he got it. He rerouted, he had a transformation. He basically responds by saying, I don't care. If I have you, I don't need anything else. And if I see your face and die, so be it. I can't go back to that old life of the quiet desperation and the frustration and the anger and the bitterness. And the expectation and the entitlement and thinking that you won't. God, I can't do that. I just want you. So if I have you, I'm going to hold on to you. Even if the sun comes up and I die, so be it. But I'll die in your arms. And so God blessed him. And Jacob is in pain. But at least he has God. That brings me to the third one. God has been wrestling with us. Here's the truth of our lives, folks. And I hope it's dawned on you in this series. God has to wrestle us into a transformed life rather than comfort us into a transformed life. Sometimes people will say to me, Pastor Jeff, why, why does it seem like that people who are not followers of Jesus, evil people, relatively speaking, why does their life turn out so well all the time? And look at my life. I follow Jesus and it's a, it's a wreck. You know, there's some part of that that doesn't surprise me because that's what you signed up for. You signed up that God would transform you and conform you to the image of his son, and that's going to take some pain. That's going to take God clobbering you from time to time to wake you up to what you're really looking for is him. That's what you're really after. I met a lady on a mat in Zimbabwe, but I was out in Chittimoyle, a village of Zimbabwe. Poverty. We went out to the hospital to see the hundreds and hundreds of people affected by HIV and the death toll is just racking up. And there's a video camera that followed me out to a little village next to Chitamoyo. We came to this old lady, probably in her early 70s. And I said, follow me over here, guys. Let's talk to this. Let's, let's get the story, get the scoop. And I had a translator. She only spoke Shona. This is the totality of her life. She lived on a mat, a mat. She had what is called a rondovel, which is a, a grass hut kind of. And she would sleep on the concrete floor on a a mat, a thin mat. And she had another place that her children would sleep. She had a a bowl of sudza or milly Mill, a porridge every day. That's all she had. There's a watering hole about a mile and a half down the road that she would walk to and get water every day or wash her clothes. That's the totality of her life. I sat down on the mat with her. And I thought, let's learn from this lady. And I said to the lady, I said, tell me, what is the one thing you want the most? And in showing it through the translator, she snapped back quickly and I knew she had. And she says, the one thing I want the most I already got. And I said, whoa, wait, what is the one thing, what is the one thing you want most that you've already got? And through the translator, she responded by saying, it's not a what. No what could ever give you what you really want or what you really need. It's a who. When I heard the translator say that, chill bumps ran up and down my spine. And I thought, is this going where I think it's going? And I said, well, who then do you have? She goes, I have Jesus. And when you have Jesus, it's all you need. You think about that, what she has and what she just said. The problem is you'll never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And sometimes God's got to come down and clobber us. Sometimes he's got to strip us of everything we think is going to fulfill us other than himself, our pseudo-saviors. He's got to destroy them one by one by one. And sometimes it's not so much a pseudo savior as it is he just frustrates your path. You've had a plan all your life that this is where you're gonna be. And God said, I'm gonna let you go this far, but then I'm gonna take you off in this direction. And when you do that, you think God has abandoned you, but he's not. He's involved more than ever because it's not about what you want for your life. It's not, it's about what God wants for your life. It's about his plan for your life to accomplish his purposes. And that's why I wanna finish this quickly. Look at what happens. Verse 28 then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Now, does anybody know what the name Israel means? Now, don't shout it out because you're going to be wrong. And I don't want that to happen in church. I'm sorry you are because there's, there's a lot of commentaries, a lot of things get this confused. But Jacob means wrestle. Israel means wrestle. What? I'm going to change your name. It's not going to be wrestle. It's going to be wrestle now. But there's a difference. And we know this by the root word for Israel, which is Sararah. And it means this, Jacob means to wrestle with men through deception. Israel means to wrestle with God through righteousness. He's saying, Jacob, you're still a wrestler. That's just your personality, but you're not going to wrestle with men and connive through deceit. You're going to wrestle with God to get more of God for the rest of your life, because now you know. And he actually says, you have wrestled with both God, you have struggled with God and man. See? And you have overcome, you have learned now. You've learned that what really matters in your life is to get more and more of me. And the more of me you have, everything you're looking for becomes a reality. Folks, come on now. Those of you who are my age or older, you know how this works. I'm going down the 210. I see the beautiful mountains. I love the mountains. I love the ocean. I love golf. I love a good round of golf and coming off the golf course and having a burger with my buddies. I love all those things. But you know what happens? For you? those of you younger, you don't know this yet, but it's going to happen. As you get older, it doesn't last as long as it used to. Because there's this undercurrent in your mind that you can never get rid of. And here's what it is. You're going to die. This is not going to last forever. These mountains, this beach, this golf. I'm already getting older. Can't swing the club like I used to. My body's decaying. And even though you enjoy those precious moments, there's this undercurrent. I'm, you're going to die. That's why I have said to you that we are different from everyone else in the sense that our joy is central now. Sorrow is only peripheral. We know we have sad moments in our lives, but joy is central because we know that whatever we don't have here, whatever God chooses to take from us here, he more than makes up for it in eternity, and he replaces it to an infinitely greater degree. But it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to to truly believe that my life is not my own, that God is in control. And one day, everything for which my heart longs will become a reality. One thing to say it. Another thing believes it. Most of us go through our lives saying this, Jesus saves, I've got my badge. So nothing bad's gonna happen to me. Look at this badge. And when it does, there it goes. Long. It's huge. Over the fence. Why, God? Why have you abandoned me? Here's what I want to ask you to do this weekend. You were given a white towel when you came in. Grab it in your hand. Most of you know that uh, if you've ever been whitewater rafting, don't worry, the towel has nothing to do with that, but stay with me. Most of you know that if you've ever been whitewater rafting, that your guide, one of the first things he's going to tell you is, look, when the boat hits the rough water, you're going to have a tendency to want to drop the oars and grab onto the sides of the boat. If you do that, you're going down. The boat's going to capsize and you're going into the water. Fight that temptation. And what you do when you come into the rough waters, instead of doing that, keep hold of your oars, but press down and get on your knees. And as you get on your knees and press down with everything that's in you, it will stabilize the boat, you will not capsize, and you will be safe. That's exactly what God asks you to do when your life's falling apart. To get down on your knees, press down in the center and say, God, I don't like this. I even feel like you put me in this predicament and you could have stopped it. I know that. But I'm gonna go down to my knees and I'm gonna ask you, God, (sighs) take control. I'm tired. Can't fight anymore. God, you're gonna have to show me the way. You're gonna have to make the path deep and wide and you're gonna have to give me the courage to walk in it because I'm all confused and I'm hurting. Quite frankly, God, I'm mad at you. But here I am and you press down and your life will stabilize. There'll be a sense of relief when you give the control of your life and everything else back over to God, trusting that whatever he takes from you, he will replace to an infinitely greater degree And whatever he requires is for his purpose and his plan and for the expansion of his kingdom. Is he safe? No, he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. As a sign that you're willing to do that, it's gonna be hard. In a moment, I'm gonna ask everybody to raise your towel. And I'm gonna ask you, if you're willing to, on the count of three, that you throw in the towel and you drop it onto the floor as a sign that you're not gonna wrestle against God anymore. That when bad things happen, you're gonna get out on your knees and steady the boat. And you're gonna ask God to deliver you. When your life takes a turn, that you think God owes you, that you're entitled to a better circumstance, that you'd throw in the flag, that you'd throw in the towel and say, God, no, I'm surrendering to you. If this is what you want for my life, God, obviously you could have stopped it, you did Okay, God take me, use me, use it for your purposes, your glory. But primarily for so many of you young people in the room, I'm asking you to stop searching for your pseudo saviors. Stop getting God involved with you to get what you think will really save you. Stop asking your God to commit idolatry by helping you to do the same, by getting him to give you what you think is going to make you whole and complete. Say to God, God, give me you. This is what you're doing when you drop the flag, God. Give me you and take control of my life. And if you're willing to do that, raise your flag. Everybody raise your flag. And on the count of three, we're all gonna drop them and we're gonna say, okay, Lord, I don't even know if I like doing this, but I, I don't know if I really like this. That's okay for you to be a little bit uh, you know, back and forth. It's okay, God, I don't know if I, but I'm gonna do it, hoping that as I do this, that my faith will come right behind it. God. We surrender our lives to you completely, fully, wholly. One, two, three. It is a good thing you have done. And I pray that God give you the strength to keep going, to trust him. And the Bible says, when you humble yourself, when the time is right, he will lift you up. Father, I am so grateful for the power in your name, so grateful for the manner in which you work in our lives, for your goodness, for your mercy, for all of that. Father, in no way did I mean to belittle anybody's pain in this room. There are some people that are going through things that are just imaginable to the most of us. I pray your comfort, but at the same time, I pray. I pray for your strength. The the, the way of the Christ follower is not easy. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we surrender to you, you would speak to our hearts and our minds and give us the comfort and the rest that you are indeed in control. It doesn't appear to be, but you are, and you know what you're doing, and we surrender to you, for in doing so, we'll find that life, that life of peace that is internal, not contingent on anything on the outside, knowing that we will never know Jesus is all we need until he's all we have. I praise you in Jesus' name for that. We surrender We throw up the white flag, we throw in the towel in Jesus' name, amen.
0: What a powerful message. I pray that when you find a moment, you'll be able to humble yourself before God so that He can lift you up above all your troubles and pain. Thanks for joining me and listening. I'm very excited for what is to come in the remainder of this series, Wrestling With God.
1: David said very clearly, your Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I'm only as good with my wife as I am with God. I'm only as good with my children as I am with God. If I'm good with God, I understand the boundaries. I know the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness and I can lead my family well.